Hello and welcome to season four, episode 10 of Duelist Community. I'm excited to see where this one goes. For those who are not on YouTube, uh, Ray and I are blindfolded right now, and we are going to be doing this entire episode blindfolded. Uh, I'm going to keep my keep my mute off and, and see where it goes, but I'm excited to see where, uh, where awareness takes us because I feel like I'm just speaking into a void right now, which I guess is not so different than all the other time that I'm speaking. I just have the perception that I'm not. Uh, so I am al already getting a little bit tripped out. I'm very excited about this episode. I love the symbolism behind it because we really are blind going into the quote unquote future. Like we are blind as to what comes next. And that entire concept, it scares the hell out of us. It, it really does. And so we find that we are trying to distract ourselves from that uncertainty, from that unknown going forward. And so I like the fact that in this episode, not only do we not know what we're going to be talking about, but we actually don't know what's happening around us or, or anything else. There's no visual cues whatsoever. Andrew has no idea whatsoever what my expression might be or my, what my response might be on this side if I'm not making any noise. And that's, that's rather fun. So if you, the listener, would like to join us in this, and of course, if you're not driving or doing something that requires you to be aware of what's happening around you, I encourage you to uh, either close your eyes or wear a blindfold or whatever it is you'd like to do to join us in this darkness so we can experience that together and explore the unknown. All right. I, I'm really trying hard not to laugh because I'm just realizing like my headphones are noise canceling also. So it just it kind of feels like if I didn't have my elbows on this table that I, I'm in like a sensory deprivation tank, just talking to myself. And so I guess getting into things to start, um, it's interesting how we have this perception of others and it's a lot easier to perceive that illusion when you're able to create, you know, ideas of all of the other characters and how they're different from you and it makes it a lot more difficult when you're not using one of those senses being being vision like it, it allows us to perceive so much more division i think i'm even realizing right now because all there is in my reality is the things that i can feel on the bottom of my feet and my elbows and my own voice that I can hear like, and, and that's the extent of my reality. Like vision adds so much color to it. And without that, it kind of simplifies things, but also if you've started to recognize that it's all you definitely deepens that recognition. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because this is the fun part about being here is that not distracted by the visual, you're just left with your feelings. And ultimately, your feelings are within your awareness. And so the entire possibility that there's nothing but your awareness becomes a little easier to get close to. The fact that you're feeling something right now is no different than what you feel in a dream, for example. It's just that usually we get so caught up in looking at the world around us and how steady it is in terms of the rate of change. You know, Things have a certain speed. 
nothing just goes from randomly from one thing to the other. There's always some stability. Whereas right now you could be looking at one visual where you're envisioning a jungle, for example, and then suddenly switch over to a desert. And both of those things are subjectively your reality and they're being created by your awareness. And so you start to wonder, well, is everything being created by my awareness? And is, is, am I just looking at my awareness as being so much more limited than it is that it really just comes down to me telling myself like, no, it couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly be the same thing just because it's so vast. It's so big. Right. But when you look at the inside of your awareness, especially in, in this state here, and you really give yourself the chance to tune in to what you're experiencing, like you were saying that you feel the room around you and you don't really, actually, you just feel your brain's interpretation of the room around you, which means you're not actually feeling the room whatsoever. What you are feeling is you, purely you. And that's what you're always feeling. So the question is, is does that change or are you actually the room? Is that always the case? Is it always you because it's actually always you? Yes. Yeah. And even, even now, you know, the space and, and the time is a lot easier to see as illusions because we're going to have no idea how long this episode is. And it's almost like those two inform each other and without being able to see anything or, you know, something like a clock that sort of measures that rate of change at which we're, we're moving. Ray's voice in my ears right now is as much here as it is my perception of of there where he is, you know, over a thousand miles away from me, you know, a thousand miles away in quote, I'm doing air quotes in my mind right now, but we have the perception of here and there. And there's no objective. There's no objective here versus there. It's all conceptual. Here could be the United States. I'm here. Could be in this chair. And so Ray is as much within my here as the computer that's only a few feet in front of me and you know the now our ability to perceive division between moments kind of ceases to be as well and it's just where we're at you know we're hearing the things as they're being spoken we're feeling the things as they're being being felt and so there is no longer a perception of you moving through time it's more just sitting in it and and being that experience of what is you can't escape that experience of what is and being here is always where you're at and not in the not in even the conceptual sense of your immediate environment but there is no edge <laughs> <laughs> There is no edge to here. Exactly. I am actually a part of here. That's yeah. awesome in itself, right? But what you were just communicating, and it's interesting because we were talking about this recently in terms of uh, non-dual radical message and, and all that. You were communicating the same insight that there, there really is no me. It's all just a happening. But the difference is, and I think this is where it gets lost in the communication. You're saying... It's just what is, but that what is, is what you are. And to them, there's just what is. That's not me. 
It's just really interesting. They could get the one side of it, but they discount the other. And I still think that it's largely just because that's the side where the pain comes from. Agreed. Yeah, there's there's a avoidance of where they think that it comes from and, and solely comes from. And so really, we've been talking a lot um, last couple of days about the spectrum and experiencing the full spectrum. And, and what it comes down to is just being willing to experience the inevitability of the spectrum without so much weight. You know, it's like we're in a backpack running along the spectrum, trying to avoid certain aspects and inevitably experiencing them anyway. And all, all it really comes down to is taking off the backpack. And and with that, I was talking about this on the Patreon call today that the, the lulls, the highs and lows there, they can be very deep, deep and, you know, peaks can be kind of high, but also not super high when you're going through the shit. And then, you know, the lulls seem like they go on forever and, that's the weight of what you're carrying is impacting the dips. And so as those, as those weights come off, those dips aren't so deep anymore. It doesn't say that they don't happen. They definitely still happen, but the depth of them and the fear that, you know, they won't end begins to go away because you're not taking that as seriously. You see the uh, necessity of, of both ends, both dips and, and peaks. And so, with the with the non-dual crowd expressing that there is no there is what is but it isn't me it's just denying one end of of the spectrum that we're constantly experiencing a belief in solely you know the lack of self because the idea is what caused them so much suffering but with that you know they they discount the idea and don't account for the reality of you still you it's just your perception and and how narrowly you define that entity. And if you cling to an idea, certain based on certain preferences or, or a lack of preferences or ideas, and you're experiencing suffering from that idea, and that is what you have labeled to be me, without recognizing that you are not limited to that, you, you you'll start defining yourself as being nothing. You know, no meanness because you're you just want to get rid of the thing that's the root of your suffering without recognizing the freedom that comes with allowing yourself to recognize yourself and everything that freedom that's available. But instead, you know, you'd rather just get rid of that idea and put yourself in another in another prison and believing that you're not also everything else. Yeah, because. You know, although it's the root of our suffering, it's also the root of a lot of our pleasures and a lot of our our joyful experiences. You know, like I was saying about laughter, for example, humor is almost always at someone else's expense, as was said by the the great John Cleese, um, and that's very true. And so, it's very hard to have humor and be everything. And I think that's why so often in the non dual crowd, that same behavior that we were talking about in terms of. Uh, Eckhart Tolle on the recent episode of Dualistic Unity Raw is even more pronounced in that non-dual crowd. Like there's even more of that, that almost numb, detached feeling. It's not non-attached, it's detached. Like it really is almost like there's a removal from the world. And, and I think that that's why there isn't necessarily that up and down. It's just very neutral. It, it feels very much, you know, like, like, um, 
an antidepressant in its own right. Like it's just a way of escaping the pain as opposed to learning to be informed by the pain, learning to actually make the pain into both pain and pleasure and, and use it to, to fill out your life. Like I really liked the, uh, the visual that you gave about using the lulls and, and being aware that the lulls, if you were to look at it as say going up and down um, a sloping hill, right? So you're, you got some good speed going down into the lull and you say you're on snow. Well, if you're carrying a giant 80 pound pack, you're going to end up digging deeper and deeper and deeper into the snow. And it's probably going to be like a, a really fast plummet followed by a, you know, a dragging. <laughs> and it's going to be difficult to get up the next little mound to start going down the next section. And so it's about lightening your pack, right? Lightening your pack, keeping it light. That's exactly what we're talking about all the time. And so now you're still going through the lulls, but you're drifting through them. You're not resisting them because that's really why they, they last for so long is how much we're just like, Oh God, you know, I'm going to have to climb back up again later. It's like, yeah, but it's not going to be a climb. If you have momentum, if you haven't resisted the entire way, like if you actually let yourself just go through the process of the lull, you will find that it helps you make the next crest. And that, the process continues again. And so it's a beautiful visual. And, you, and if you get really good at it, not only do you break the next crest, but you get a little jump out of it and you get that leap of faith and suddenly you're flying. And that's the really, the whole question, isn't it? Is can we use the lulls? Can we use those dips that we're so afraid of to learn how to fly? Amen. Well said. Yeah. It's a, it's a completely different perspective of the highs and lows that we go through the, the peaks and valleys of our life is we see the utility in the valley, especially in that example, the literal utility in allowing you to begin to soar. You get enough of those under your belt, you're going to start getting used to that feeling of soaring. And then you, know, you still dip and dip and uh, go while you're soaring, but you're, you're soaring. And it's like, you're not in, oh my God, it's almost like if our if our societal mentality is on the ground, the highs and lows, as you release enough weight, you know, you're able to tap out of that sort of path that we go on, the chasing the carrot and running from the stick. And that's what flying is, is letting go of that. That's freedom. That's that's experiencing that in completely different reality where you aren't your life isn't dictated based upon how many carrots you're chasing or how many sticks you're running from or how fast you're running. It's you're flying now. And, and it's weird. It's can be freaky at first. There's certainly you go up and down while you're flying, but you keep fucking flying. You're still flying. Even if you dip, get close to the ground, you're still flying. And you may take some time to, you know, walk along the ground, but you haven't forgotten how to fly. And it's always right there because you realize that you had some wings the whole time. You're just <laughs> discounting, you know, trying to hold on to how much, how heavy your backpack was, <laughs> not realizing that you had wings and could just fly. You're on this journey up, up and down these mountains, carrying on this big fucking backpack, thinking that adding more rocks to it's going to make your journey more full and enjoyable. And it's getting really arduous because you're on this journey on the ground on your feet it's way harder to move in that state and then all of a sudden you realize oh maybe i maybe i can put this backpack down maybe i can take some rocks out oh shit i have wings too 
Oh shit, I can use these. Oh shit, I'm flying. Oh shit, this is way easier. Oh, everything's more free. <laughs> and that's what it becomes. It's not to say you don't settle back on the ground, but it's always right there. And that's really the point of uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. That's the entire point of that whole book is in the flight, what can you do? The seagulls, uh, the flock, as it were, they always just went back and forth for food. That's the only reason that they flew, right? More or less because they had to so they could survive. But Jonathan wanted to experiment with it. So we can do the same if you look at it that way. Like on that, that leap after we get enough momentum going through the lulls and we go into the next section of our life and we really just jump into it without fear. Well, in that, you know, that quote unquote fall, which is really just settling into the next, the next part of the journey. What if you did a backflip? What if you did something that nobody's ever done before? What if you tried a different strategy? What if you lived a little differently? In other words, what if you just stopped being afraid and tried something new on the fall, you know? That would change everything about it. And that's the whole point is that it's not just that we can fly. It's that we don't know what we can do when we fly because we haven't spent any time doing it. Right. And so here we are having this conversation. And just like in Jonathan Livingston Seagull, we are flying for its own purpose. And some of the flock are noticing and they're going, that looks like fun. Or some of them have already been doing it and they're noticing us over in the distance practicing. They're like, yeah. I'm going to go over there and we can learn from one another. And that's basically dualistic unity. That's all it is, you know, flying for flying's sake. That's all this is about. It really is about just enthusiasm. And isn't it interesting, though? We often use these visuals or these metaphors and whatnot in our conversations, but it isn't until all of a sudden you're not looking with your eyes that you can actually see them in greater detail. Like you can see yourself as a seagull flying through the wind, trying different things, bending your wings into different angles, doing different things with the wind as it carries you up or pushes you down. And all of a sudden you start to realize like, oh, it is just like flying. It's nothing like climbing up a mountain. That's just the result of all the crap I'm carrying and the fact that I've anchored myself down to the ground with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a perfect analogy. And as I was explaining it uh initially that's what i started started to come to mind was jonathan livingston seagull it's funny how it was starting to <laughs> well, it was even trippier it was like i i was imagining kind of like uh i just watched lord of the rings so it was kind of like a hobbit type character walking on the ground uh with the with the backpack and then as it recognized its wings started flying and then like right towards the end started to turn into that sort of visions that i had watched or uh reading the book Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And then, you know, of course you, you carry into that uh, example and flying for the sake of flying. And that's really all we're doing here is, is, you know, living for the sake of living for the sake of being life, understanding that you're already it. You're already the thing that you want to become, but you keep striving for that thing and not recognizing that you've been it the whole time. And it's, you know, as much the reality of our lives as it is, now, this podcast, just having a conversation for the sake of having a conversation. And today we threw some blindfolds on because why not? Trying some new things, trying it out, seeing where it goes, seeing where you know awareness takes us. And uh, we're just having the conversation for the sake of having one. We had absolutely nothing planned for this conversation whatsoever besides putting the blindfolds on. 
just like with all of our episodes, you know, community topics, that's the only time we have an idea of what we're going to talk about going into, but it's still pretty vague. Like we don't have set points for necessarily what all the things we want to cover for the entire episode. It's like maybe a couple bullets, a couple things here and there, and then just see what happens. And yeah, coming into this episode, I, all I was thinking about was, all right, we're going to have blindfolds on. That was the extent. I was like, yeah, we're going to be talking the whole time too, but we're going to be talking about all different sorts of stuff. I have no idea what that's going to be. And that's been the entire reality of dual security. Like from season one, episode one, we have not come into episodes being like, all right, we're going to talk about this today. We're going to cover this. We got to cover that. It's like here and there, we'll have something like, oh, this is something I want to bring up on the podcast but we have never come with any plan whatsoever because that's a fun like that's what life comes down to is finding out the process of finding out of what you're capable of like it's fun for us to find out like what we're going to talk about on this episode like i want to see what comes out of my mouth today i am interested to find out it's not this idea of control like i need to say this because this because it, it means this about me and another example i had someone reach out i'm going on someone's podcast uh next week and they reached out and they wanted to uh book uh like a 15 minute slot to talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast to kind of plan out the episode and I, I was just straight up with them like i'd actually prefer if we didn't i i'd prefer if you'd ask me things on the spot. Cause you know, if you tell me what you're going to ask me, I'm going to have inevitably my brain's going to come up with answers beforehand. And I'd rather just see what happens because all those answers are going to be reliant upon things I've already said for the most part, it's more fun to find out what you're capable of, but you got to let go of that concern for what anything you do means about you for the concern of the judgment. If you know, you feel like you stumble or something, that's what you have to let go of in order to begin to fly. You have to become comfortable with falling here and there. And I think that's really all the show's about, right? At the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because uh, a couple of people have asked me, well, don't you ever run out of things to say? I'm like, well, no, because there's always more to talk about. There's always more to life. Like there's, there's just a never ending amount of things I could possibly explore out of all of the things that I've experienced. And so it really is just allowing myself to do so without settling on something. Because that's really the big temptation to settle on something in terms of a view of myself or a view of the world and then not question it anymore. And so if dualistic unity is anything to me, at least, it's a practice in not doing that. It's a practice in flow state. And I think that that's really the message that we're always kind of trying to embody, not even trying to embody, but embodying through virtue of us trying to let go, um, is that you can do that, that you can practice flow state. Like the listener, hello listener, is practicing the same thing. They're trying to let go because they understand that it's their resistance to their own potential that's getting in the way of them expressing their potential. And so if there's any reason to listen to dualistic unity, it's to recognize that you're not the only one who recognizes that and that we're all just trying to flow. And here, Andrew and I are, quote unquote, Andrew and I are just doing our best to be an example of letting go, or at least the intention to let go. And as we keep talking and going through all this stuff, this is just what's coming out. This is the result of our effort to stop putting in effort. 
And it's so very fun to try and communicate the paradoxical nature of that. And I know, listener, that you understand because you have been following along for quite some time. But it really is just about that. It's about understanding that you don't have to see the future. You don't have to see where the road goes. You can just let go and you will actually have all of the ability that you need to just get through the moment that you already are. It's not that you're in the moment. It's that you are that moment. You are already embodying what the moment's supposed to be. The only question is, how much are you getting in the way with what you think the moment should be? And that's just the practice. It's very much like dancing. Like you can learn certain dance moves, but that's not dancing per se. Dancing is the, the way that you dance when nobody's looking at you or the way that you might be dancing right now if you've got your eyes closed and you're not aware of anybody around you, and you're just moving around. That's, that's dancing when, when you're not thinking about it, when you're feeling it, when it's an expression of you, not an expression of what you think you should be or an expression of how you think you should move or how others might move. There's, there's not that much process behind it. It really is just an expression of you. It's an expression of your will. And so it's just the practice of, of letting go into that, just letting go. And the only reason I think it feels so very difficult is because we've been surrounded our entire lives with people who, quote unquote, have their eyes open, but they're pointing so far down the road that they're missing everything around them. And so we've been almost taught habitual tunnel vision and we've lost the ability to just recognize Right. That might be cool over there, but you know, this is pretty fucking awesome right here. Has anybody been looking around? And nobody has been because they're so busy telling themselves a story that makes it impossible for them to look around. They have to look down the road at small, at some tiny sliver of what might be that has the most positive light. And that's the worst thing about looking down the road. You're seeing such a tiny sliver of what down the road will be. And you're just cherry picking the part that you like, ignoring all of the shit that's going to come with you on that road. That's the only reason you get so drawn to it is to avoid the stuff that is a part of your daily life. You're like, if I get there, it won't be with me, but it's going to come with you. The future that you're looking at is based on the now that you're cultivating. Because there is no future. There is just the ever-changing now, which is the ever-changing you. Exactly. Yeah, it's funny you brought down, brought up the uh, looking down the road ahead of time because the first time you mentioned that, looking ahead to the future, that that's the imagery for me that came up was looking down a road and recognizing that your perception of the future doesn't have an end in eternity. So you can get lost in looking down the end of that road forever for eternity. But what's actually informing the path that you're going down is the thing. Cause when you recognize that all potential moments could be from here now, they're all happening here now simultaneously. And so looking at the roads, it's like you cherry pick one out of an infinite number of roads. There is no one road that you're just looking down and saying like, Oh, that's, that's going to be it. And every time you take a step on that road, looking down towards one specific one, not realizing there could be another one that's way more beneficial to the rest of your life, not understanding that that one, the likelihood in an infinite number of potential possibilities of that thing that you're fearing happening, actually happening, how you think it might happen is literally zero when you're recognizing the infinite number of ways and directions that your life could go from here. And while you're looking down that road, you keep tripping on stuff 
and stumbling on shit because you're still where you're at. You always are where you're at. And there's a lot of cool shit in that spot, but we're so hyper-focused on what this means about us in the future that if we rid ourselves or, or stop taking that idea in the future so seriously, we come back to where we're at and actually have influence over the steps that we take. But so many of us literally are walking on a bumpy path, looking, you know, 500 yards down the road, thinking like that's, that's the best place to be not realizing that we have no idea. And the thing that's going to influence getting to the quote unquote best place we can be is being where we're at, looking around, recognizing you know, what's actually happening around us. And it becomes way more obvious, you know, what, what the next step to take is. But as long as you're caught up looking down that road, you're going to keep tripping and falling and wondering why the fuck it keeps happening. Cause you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention to anything. You're not, seeing where you're walking you're seeing you're cherry picking a moment in the future that you're either fearing happening because you want to be certain about that happening and what it means about you or excited for something happening not realizing that there could be something way more interesting or exciting for you to experience but you're you're focusing on that because you'd rather your brain would rather be certain about that experience than being where you're at and actually having influence over what you're doing and where you're going and actually living your life. Like you can miss your whole life looking down that road, looking down that made up path that you've created inside of your mind out of fear or desire for avoidance of where you're at, despite not realizing that you can't avoid where you're at. You can do your best. You can, you can create all sorts of different things in your mind and, and follow those. But it's that avoidance of where you're at that creates all the suffering and, and keeps you lost in that because you keep tripping and falling and, and hurting yourself along the way instead of just taking your eyes off the end of that road and looking around you see that's just the thing though right like why are we wearing blindfolds andrew because we're so used to using our eyes and so looking to the future developing that tunnel vision it's been taught to us our entire life it's reflexive it's literally just the way that we've learned to look and so it's very, very difficult to just stop doing that, which is why it's so important to willingly close your eyes to it, which is why we put on the blindfold was to help us do that in this case. But what I mean is to willingly question the ego that makes you want to look to the future, because then what happens? Well, if you're not looking to the future, if you're not developing sight in that way, if you're not like encouraging your sight into the future, then you have to feel the present that you are. And that's it. It's really just in recognizing the habit and then deliberately going out of your way to stop doing that habit and see what remains. It's not as easy as we'd like because we're, we're used to relying on that site. Like even just right now, we're used to relying on site. Uh, I don't know if you know this or if you can hear it from time to time, but occasionally I'm feeling around my desk trying to find my coffee and I'll have a sip and then I'll try and feel around, put my coffee back. And anybody who's watching the video is probably laughing at how very careful I'm being about it. But that's the point. How often are we that careful? Very often we're not at all. I know a number of people who are in such a rush to accomplish the to-do list that defines them, that they actually get in their way 
consistently. They break things, they knock things over, they hurt themselves, they have to do work over again, maybe three times, all of that. And it's because they're in such a rush that they have no sensitivity. And that rush is caused by the to-do list, the, the tunnel vision, the direction going forward to some future where I will eventually be at peace and happy. But peace starts here. Peace is something you cultivate here, right? And it starts by recognizing that you habitually look to the future and recognizing why, and then allowing yourself to listen, to feel, to not be so quick to move and make a step because it really is your alignment with the step that you're on that will help dictate the quality of the next step you make. If you look at the steps as the lulls that we were communicating earlier, it really is how you deal with the first lull that helps you deal with the next lull. Like I said, if you resist it, you lose all your momentum. Now you have to arduously climb up that hill to get to the next lull. And then even then you're resisting it, right? So it's just like the quality of the step. Make the quality of your lull as effortless as possible, as light as possible. And then the quality of, of the next incline or the next change will be all the better. You will probably take flight because you, you didn't resist it, because you got into it. It really is the same, it's the same insight over and over and over again. All we're doing is coming up with ways to communicate something that can never truly be communicated by language because somebody else listening to this would go, what are these guys talking about? Are they talking about skiing? Now we're talking about seagulls? What the fuck? Whereas the listener who is involved with the insight itself on their own hand, they're not trying to learn anything from us. It's because they're making use of it. They're going, okay, well, that's like this. Oh, I can see how that applies to this. That's all it is. And, and that requires faith. That requires faith, but that faith is something that we find when we start to recognize the ripples that we make just in being here now. Like even right now, we're having this conversation and you might feel like you're in a room by yourself talking into the ether. I feel nothing but vibration and ripples constantly coming out of me as, as language, as movement, as sound, however you'd like to translate it by your quote unquote body or awareness. Fact is right now we're changing the universe because we are changing in ourselves and the ripples just continue on. We're like tuning forks, but we vibrate on so many different levels, so many different ways. It's not just in terms of vibration. I think that gets oversimplified in some ways, but there's also, you know, emotional state, willingness to communicate, openness, authenticity, all of that, that all causes different types of vibration. That's all changing the nature of the tuning fork. And that's what we're doing constantly, just rippling out into the, into the universe. And I think it largely depends on how willing we are to admit we are the universe. I think that that recognition and acceptance and willingness to be what is actually does have an impact over the ripples that, we're, that we make. Agreed. Yeah, it's a lot easier to see that the rippling imagery with my eyes closed right now, like it's getting a little bit trippy. I wanted to bring this up. Like, I'm curious uh, if, if you wanted to go into what you're seeing. I'll, I'll, I can start with what I'm what I've been kind of seeing. But there, there was a point I was uh, seeing my desk and computer and everything like very clearly and you on the screen and me seeing myself with the blindfold on 
like obviously i i have the blindfold on so i wasn't actually seeing all of that but in my head that's like was the image that i was seeing and then uh as you were explaining the the vibrations just seeing everything as i don't know it's it's like whether it's a bed sheet or the top of a pond or whatever it may be just like this conversation here now being you know a, a spot within that tapestry of whatever it may be whatever comes to mind for you and and just vibrating out and then people listening to it are ripples in that vibration or vibration in that in that ripple that then ripples and then you know they go out and do things and and through this recognition and it's just the entire ripple begins to change but now it's like shifting to be in an aspect of the ocean that has these massive ripples coming from like this thing off in the distance like egotistical mentality or, or system or whatever it's like this uh dark kind of cityscape kind of like uh, i actually did i meant to tell you i watched tron uh, a couple days ago so that's coming to mind the center center of the city right now and it's like rippling out so it, the ripples are impacting the ripples that we are and yet the ripples that we are are having impact on that it's just very very subtle ripples right now but as those begin to increase it goes in the other direction and kind of begins to neutralize that massive ripple of collective ego sort of current societal mentality and then the last that was what i was seeing now just before i was seeing like parts of my past like in kind of flashcard type translucent flashcard type things recognizing that the moment I haven't left the moment my entire life. Like everything has happened through that experience. So I was almost looking through it like they were stacked on each other. Just this like infinite line, translucent flashcards, seeing each, you know, specific ones that I are in my memory and seeing through them almost. They all became trans uh, translucent to a degree or very translucent. So I was looking through all of them as just, you know, down this kind of kind of tunnel and all through the moment that I am and have never left my whole life. So <laughs> I just wanted to, because there's started, I was like, I got to get some of these out because it's getting kind of trippy going through these, but it's very much mirroring our conversation as we're having it. And then it kind of branches out into other things as well. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I always, I always wonder about uh, in the Bible when Moses meets God on, on Mount Sinai, uh, they describe it as as a burning bush. And uh, see, with my eyes closed, that's what I feel like. That's what I see. And what I mean is not that I feel like I'm on fire or anything, but there are so many vibrations within vibrations happening that it creates almost like a tree that's in constant movement. It's almost like it's swaying in the wind. And like when I talk about vibrations, like to me, not only am I feeling the vibrations of the air quote unquote, around me, right? Or the vibration of the ground underneath me or the sound, but there's a vibration 
in your brain. There's a frequency there. And so there is a vibration on another level. And then your heart is beating and creating a vibration of its own with each and every beat. And that vibration is going throughout all of your, your body in terms of your blood flow and your veins and your nerve endings are all firing. And there's so much happening right down to your DNA, which is vibrating and moving with reality as reality itself. And so you have all of these overlapping ripples upon ripples upon ripples that is you. And that we tend to narrow that down to where we think our skin cuts us off from everything else. But if you feel your skin right now, you can feel it doesn't cut you off from everything else. It is actually how you feel everything else. And it's all vibration and it's all you. You are vibration, even your impulses to go back and forth, up and down, running away from or running towards or any of that. It's all vibration in its own sense, whether you feel happy, whether you feel sad, whether you feel angry, whether you feel depressed, more vibration. And so you have this internal subjective and, out, and external uh, vibration in itself. And so there's all of that happening. And yet we just narrow it down to, you know, I can feel the vibrations around me or I can feel the vibrations within me. It's like, you are vibration. You are vibration. All this is, is vibration. And we are all connected together somewhere out there in the abyss of where all of my ripples are going is you receiving them. And I am here feeling this, the ripples that you're creating as well. And I mean this for every single person who's listening over time or space, they're all connected. There is no division. It's all vibration and we are giant, we are moving in this. And I want to say giant soup, but it doesn't exist anywhere <laughs> or at any time. And that's the best part about it. It's just vibration as existence. And we have the unique perspective that some of it's stable, regardless of the fact that it's not. And it's very much a gift. And so, yeah, to answer your question, I feel like I'm standing in the middle of a burning bush that is also a fucking tornado. And yet it's perfectly quiet and still. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, the vibrations, the, that's that's really hit me. Like just how it's all like the impacts of anyone listening to this anywhere. Anyone in all of reality is feeling all of my ripples that, you know, I say, quote unquote, my ripples, everything that I do vibrates out and it's felt to a degree even if it's you know if if we want to try and conceptualize it you know a, a minuscule minuscule like millimeter of a millimeter of a millimeter like it's still an impact because it's all dropping into the same ocean of reality if you want some more imagery like it, it as a drop goes into the ocean it's as much the drop of the ocean from you know ten thousand miles away as it is the one right next to it and and we don't see because we perceive space we believe space to be true and, and to be nothingness and not recognize that it's made out of the same thing that we're made out of it it is and therefore it is us there is no division between us and space it's a lot easier to see that and so everything that we do everything that we are everything we've always been has always been impacted and impacted everything, everyone, not just people we interact with, everything and everyone, all because it's one mind, just synapses in the same brain. So of course they're all going to have influence over 
the entire thing. Because again, one mind, it's not a bunch of iterations of similar seeming minds. It's one and also none, <laughs> both and neither, because there's no thing that isn't the mind. So it doesn't exist within anything. You exist within it as much as it exists within you because you're both. And it's interesting because when we're talking about ripples, we immediately start to think about ripples and distance. You're going to go out and you're going to affect the world and that's going to ripple from one person to another and eventually it will get to me. But when you look at something like quantum entanglement, the fact that the distance doesn't matter, that two particles are in fact affecting one another instantaneously because they are the same particle, then you start to think, well, maybe the universe doesn't always work that way. And then if you change your perspective slightly of what we mean by the conscious environment, see, there is this overarching perspective of our subjective experience that it's based on the chemicals in our brain, right? Like if you're experiencing certain emotions, it's a chemical reaction. I would say that reality is symbolism for what we are experiencing in our awareness. I, I think that it's primarily the other way around. I think our brain creates chemicals largely based on the functions and the actions of our awareness over time. It's not like all of a sudden your brain is just like, you're going to feel sad now. It does that in response to you going in that direction consciously. So I don't think it's the chemicals that make us sad. I think the chemicals are what allow us to physically feel sad, but it's, I think our conscious direction, our awareness that takes us into that. I think that sadness itself is, is constantly in existence as a part of reality and that we are all accessing the same sadness, but expressing it differently. So if that's the case, if sadness is a state of reality that we're all dipping into, it's not something that's being chemically created so much as something that the chemicals are allowing us to tap into by virtue of us going there consciously, then who's to say that when you're dealing with your sadness, that you're not in fact also dealing with mine? Who's to say that we're not that connected in the same way that we could be entangled? Perhaps we are. Perhaps we are entangled on an emotional conscious level in a way that we don't understand. And it would make sense because if you look at us collectively, we've spent so much time digging into our ego. One has to wonder if that's the reason that it continues to propagate from person to person to person is just because collectively we're just so committed to it that it is actually not just reinforcing it in the world around us, but reinforcing it in our minds as we start if it's actually getting easier to learn from children onward, simply because so much of us are committed to it and perpetuating it within, quote unquote, within. Interesting question. Yeah, certainly. It, it does make me wonder with that. That gives me a completely different perspective on, on emotions, like recognizing that they're always there. Like we're always, we always have the ability to tap into the entire spectrum and the way in which we see things and see ourselves relative to everything else is the seriousness with which we take the emotion as we experience it. Because as we see ourselves as you know, divided from everything, as, as sadness arises within what we perceive to be our, you know, mind, then we take it very seriously because we see ourselves as, you know, the thing that's 
encapsulating the sadness right now. And it, it sort of becomes us in our experience, but if we're embodied or if we're identified as what we think we are and we think we're sad, it's only going to exacerbate that feeling. We're going to think we are sadness as opposed to just tapping into that reality right now. And especially when you recognize that it's all the same, you know, happy, sad, pride, joy, anger, regret. It's all the same thing that we're all tapping into based on our experience. We experience them slightly differently, but we'll experience one of them and discount the fact that there is an environment that is embodying aspects of that as well. So it may not even be something that is caused, you know, quote unquote caused by you. And that makes me wonder because sometimes we'll feel a certain thing and like not really know why, like I'm feeling this and, and I don't know why, and I don't like it and I want to get rid of it. And then you resist it. And then, you know, it, it grows and gets louder and worse. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, shit, this must mean something about me. And then you almost come up with a reason <laughs> for it to be. So you can have some certainty instead of being like, I don't know where the fuck this came from. I don't know what the fuck this is. And it could be in those moments that you're tapping into something that someone else is sort of given off or vibrating, which is really interesting. I haven't thought, I haven't thought about those like that, but recognizing the lack of division, if, if the experience of it is, you know, a uniform thing that we perceive differently we could just as easily tap into, you know, I keep using air quotes, someone else's quote unquote, someone else's experience and, and the emotions that they're embodying when you understand that, you know, the ripples are always being sent out. And, you know, as you perceive yourself to be this limited perception, as opposed to recognizing, you know, being the whole thing, you're going to take it very personally. And then you're going to create a story as to why you're feeling that way, why you shouldn't be feeling that way and why you don't want to be feeling that way or why you do want to be feeling that way. And it creates a different response, doesn't it? When people are going through stuff, all of a sudden you start to recognize like, oh, looks like that part of me is still processing something. I wonder how I can be of assistance. You know, and if you think about it, it's actually, it's actually not that different than we treat our own body, right? Like we deal with emotions day to day and you're right. Sometimes emotions come along. We're like, I don't know where this is coming from. And it's from something as simple as just not eating healthy food, for example. And it influences our reality slightly and it changes how we react to it. And so we eat something healthy and that changes the environment. It makes, us e it, makes it easier for us to, to modify or, or to adapt to what we're feeling. That's all we're doing with other people when we meet them and they're going through stuff. It's like, are you offering them food in terms of insight or space or safety? Are you offering your body anything to help it get better? Or are you just saying, oh, it's not my problem, right? Which isn't to say you should be out there solving everybody's problem, but going out there and getting rid of the need to judge, getting rid of the mechanism where you have to judge is more useful than anything else because at least you're giving them the space to just be. And I think that's all any of us want, because if we all if we all feel more freedom, that's us collectively feeling more free, which is you in your individual unlimited form as what is, it's you feeling more free. So all of our ripples are really impacting each other all the time because there is no each other. We really are working together as one process. It's just that we lack 
the ability to keep that in mind all the time, like you and I were talking about it once is, you know, it's like we're two cells in the body and on my own, I've kind of recognized, like, I think I'm the body. Huh? I don't think I'm actually separate from the body. And then you're over there in your cell world going, shit, I think I'm the body. And then all of a sudden we notice each other. And we're like, are we the body? And there's more and more of us that are going, I think we're the body. And as a result, we're not fighting the body. We're actually trying to learn how to be with the body. And it's because we've let go of that narrow-minded tunnel vision that is the result of identifying with the cell. Isn't that funny? Because by cell, I mean cell in a body, not cell prison, but it very much suits the same purpose in this case. And so we get rid of that tunnel vision. We allow ourselves to feel where we are. And all of a sudden we start to recognize that the vibrations that we feel are just an extension of us. That's all it is. And so there was never any disconnection whatsoever. And you know that just because there's never not been feeling. Maybe just the inability to have that feeling because maybe you were distracted or you were medicated or you learned to tune it out through fear and developing that cell again around you, that narrow-minded tunnel vision that, you know, if I just get there, that's going to make me happy because that stuff, that really just cuts you off to everything, to everything. And I, I know I'm taking a bit of a tangent here, but actually it's, it's really quite relevant so as a life coach, I've dealt with a lot of people going through a lot of different things. And a big part of that has been sexual frustration. And in that, I mean, the inability to perform. And it's always associated with this high amount of pressure to perform. Like if I don't act and I don't perform a certain way, it proves that I'm not a certain person. And then I'm going to lose this person and they're not going to like me and all of that stuff. And so immediately you're like, well, yeah, that, that'll kill the mood. But they don't know that because to them, they're trying to get somewhere. They have that narrow-minded tunnel vision, again, of what's going to be the optimal outcome. And they don't realize that the more they focus on it, the farther they get. And the same is true for our lives. We keep trying to get to happiness and success. And we don't realize that the path to whatever that might be, because it's certainly not your idea, is here now. It's in your relationship to here now and what you do with here now. And that's going to define what the here now is going to be in the quote unquote future. But what you're cultivating is a sense of yourself. You're cultivating a sense of what your limitations are and are not. And you are deciding what you're willing to settle on. And that's it. Because if you're not willing to settle, there are limitless opportunities. And I don't know what's possible, but I do know that we have not been doing it collectively. Some of us are individually, but there's so far and few in between, and there is no way for us to connect that it has been a long grind of individual cells in a giant ass body trying to do this on their own. And now we're coming together because <laughs> through the vibrations, through enough time and just the inevitable swing of the pendulum, there's enough of us where we're actually starting to notice one another. And now we're coming together and that's going to change the body. In fact, that is the process of the body changing. And all we have to do is just feel it happening and allow it to happen through us. Exactly. And using, using the body, I have a few thoughts on all of that, but using the body example, it makes so much more sense as you start to wake up to the recognition that you know, you've always thought you were a cell and you start to realize, oh, maybe I'm maybe I'm the whole body. It it doesn't make any sense to get angry at, you know, the quote unquote rest of the body 
because as you recognize that you're the body, there is no rest of the body. It's just you. You're just getting angry at yourself. You're just creating another hell for yourself through getting, again, caught up in the perception of other. You don't get mad at all the other cells because that gets you back into the idea that you're just the cell. So you're perceiving other cells. So as you perceive other people who are doing the wrong or the right thing, you're perceiving yourself in a very specific way and you're back in the shit. You're back in the illusion. So you, it's almost like when you begin to wake up to it, as much as you can see, you know, oh shit, that side of the body, that, that end of the body is really fucking itself up. Holy shit, that's going through a lot of stuff over there. You know, oh, th- they're creating a lot of suffering for a lot of this body, but you don't get, you don't get mad at it. Cause it's like, it, it's for my body and I'm doing it to myself as that perspective changes, as you get angry at the rest of the body, you're still very much caught up in the idea of yourself as being something separate. And that's what has to be let go of. It's a mentality shift that has to be had. And getting into, um, the other examples you were talking about being, you know, sexual performance or striving for something in the future. Cause I've had clients who deal with that. And I've dealt with that in my life, that idea when I was very much caught up in my idea of myself, you know, being able to do things like that, you know, perform (laughs) comes back to that idea of yourself and, and your value. And if you're not able to do something that you think you, you know, should do, should be able to do, then you're going to get stressed and worked up and, and feel diminished and feel like you're lacking something. And, and as you strive for that, it just gets further away. It's like the Chinese finger puzzle as you, you know, pull on it, trying to escape, trying to get to the place that isn't here now, trying to get to the place in the future in which, you know, you are happy or you are satisfied or you are, (laughs) or you are performing. Uh, I meant happy and satisfied in the same light, not the performing and satisfied, but, you know, um, take that as you will. You uh, let go of that resistance to where you're at right now and the idea of where you think you should be as if you'd have any idea of what that is. And so use it going into it because fuck it, we're all adults here going into the sexual performance side of things. Like I've looked back at some of those experiences that I had in my life where I was like, fuck, I'm not able to do this and thought like, who knows, maybe if things had gone how I wanted to go when I wanted them to go, like. I would have a kid or something like you never know what something is going to lead to. And so that thing, that whole time that you get stressed out about something happening or getting the thing that you want, becoming happy, getting, getting that car that you always wanted, who knows, maybe a weekend of driving that car would have gotten in an accident and you would have died. And yet you were so caught up in thinking with certainty that that outcome was the best case scenario for your life. And you never, ever, ever, ever know. You don't know. So it's not worth getting so caught up in what it might mean about you in the future, where it might go, where it might lead. The only thing that's worthwhile to do is to be where you're at. When you understand that you actually have no fucking idea what anything means, where anything's going, what anything may mean about you or where your life may be going or any of it It doesn't make any sense to get caught up in all that stuff. The only thing that makes any logical sense is to be where you're at, as attentive as you can be to the experience you're having, because that's life. That is your life. That is you as life here and now. And it's the extent of your experience is here now. So you might as well focus on that because anything else is completely 
out of your control, out of any sense of certainty that your brain wants to settle upon. But we like to settle upon it because we don't like that discomfort of not knowing, you know, where we're going to be or what's going to happen in five days, five hours, five seconds from now. We cannot say with certainty. And yet we try. And that's where pretty much all of our psychological suffering comes from. Yeah, it's funny because so often we get so caught up in our opinion of what it is we're experiencing that we don't recognize that it's actually happening for us, not to us. And so what I mean is uh, Jim Carrey, for example, made the point that when we think about being depressed, that it really is our body saying, you know, I need deep rest, which I thought was a clever play on words. I've always looked at being depressed as literally like depression, being depressed, so being pushed down upon, right? And so we're not listening to our body there and our body is kicking us in the ass going, you're waiting, you're, you're wasting so much energy on this fiction. I have nothing left for me. And so we get, we get depressed. And the same is true with worrying about sexual performance, because say you can't perform your body is, is telling you there's some bad shit happening in here. You're just demanding that I do something, but you know, there's something wrong with the machine captain. And if you're not paying attention to that, say you do force your way through it. Say you do use a pharmaceutical, for example, to enhance one's performance and you don't deal with the problem. That problem is going to continue to build up. And your body is very much telling you like something is wrong. Something is wrong. But if you get too caught up in what you think you should be doing, or you get too caught up in what you want, or you get too caught up in that, you know, chasing whatever you think is going to solve your sense of lack or your sense of need, you're not listening to your body. And that again, there's that, looking into the future that that tunnel vision that gets us so out of whack so listening to your body as always requires you to stop looking to the future and be where you are right and that's what our body is telling us all the time it's just like i was saying about my daughter in math right like she gets frustrated and it makes it difficult to do math the problem is what we're going through internally and we walk our way there through various different choices moment to moment to moment very much like we're walking through geography like you just turned left you've just turned right now you're in a storage closet well in your head you you're turning from one thought to another thought from one perspective of yourself to another perspective of yourself and you are walking your way into various different regions of your consciousness and you can call them different emotions you can call them different states of being you can call them anything you like different perceptions but that's what you're doing you are walking around in a multiverse of infinite potential variations of the observer and the observed relationship every time you make a choice about how you view yourself. But we don't look at it that way. Remember I was saying in the alcohol episode that every time I have a drink, I, I keep in mind that I am taking one step closer to the mentality that is my hell. That way of looking at it, of one step closer to hell, is what I'm talking about. I really do see my awareness like that. Like I am walking around within a geography. It's just not geography that works in the same way as anything else around us. It's not bound by three dimensions. It moves all the time. There's so many different facets to it, but you are in fact flying around if you want to look at it that way, or maybe dragon ass, depending on how much you've invested in your idea of yourself. But that's, that's the environment you're within. And we only ever look at it as the physical world because we haven't slowed down enough to actually recognize how much we're feeling, how much we are all the time. And it's because of that little sliver 
because we think we can see the future. Exactly. And that, that desire to do so is, is what cuts us off. And we're all, we all have the potential to fly and there's different reasons that we get caught up in the weight, in the heaviness of things, but it's available to anyone. You know, the, the heaviest of weight is just as available to someone who's super rich or super poor, super you know, famous or is a hermit. You know, it, it all is equally available. If there's any great equalizer in all of reality, it's being able to get weighed down by your idea of what you think you are. And through that is where freedom is found through letting go of that idea is where the freedom is found is where you learn to not necessarily learn to fly, but even recognize that you have the opportunity to fly. Like you recognize that, Oh, there's some wings there. I'm not just, you know, don't have to just carry around this heavy pack all the time, but it's available to anyone. Like anyone can get equally weighed down. Someone who has boatloads of money, boatloads of things, boatloads of stuff too much that they could never even know what to do with all of it. They couldn't spend all the money if they wanted to in their lifetime to someone who is on the brink of starving to death, you know, is caught up in their own sort of hell. Like that's a, that's more of an obvious weight in the mentality that we have in this current system, because we see having too much money to spend in your lifetime as like somehow as some sort of peak, but that's an equal weight. And it takes you equally far from the experience of freedom. One maybe is perceived as more comfortable, but as many things as you have is as many things as you're afraid of losing. That's what it comes down to. As many things as you don't have is as many things as you think you should have is as many things as you want. And it goes equally in both directions. The desire for more and the fear of being less it can have an equal impact on our inability to recognize the reality of what we are. And yeah, we are as our society has certain ideas of one side versus the other. But when it comes to the to the game of ego and the game of freedom, they're equal. They're equal illusions, equal traps. And we strive to get out of one into another. As we strive to get out of one, we're actually trying to get into the other one because that we think that's it kind of like grass is always greener but it's like you know prison cell is always cleaner on the other side <laughs> and we we just get so caught up in that but you know the reality is that both sides have the opportunity to be weighed down and both sides have the opportunity to let go of that and be where we're at and recognize the reality of what you are as the eternal awareness of reality as God itself. Nice. Absolutely. It's interesting. I was just thinking, you know, as human beings with the complexity that is our form, let's just say we have such a, such an incredible amount of access to what is or what could potentially be in terms of what we consider to be our imagination or, or, or dreams or insight or, or any of those things. Like there's just so much in terms of that, quote unquote, internal conscious environment. And I just think it's funny, like it, you might've heard the expression, if man were meant to fly, they would have been born with wings. Maybe we we're just meant to fly in a different way, in a different environment. 
one that we have yet to really explore because we've been too busy running from it because we keep perceiving ourselves within this environment and we don't recognize that we actually live in two environments simultaneously. Amen. And those ideas that we cling to, you know, that idea of flying, no differently than the idea of, of success or happiness or when will be enough. It's not the reality of it, but it's those ideas that, that point down the specific road that we've chosen that gives us that false sense of certainty that we strive for, that we look forward to, that takes us away from recognizing the reality of, of what it is, all those things that we see down the road, that mirage that we see down the road with all the things that we desire are right in front of us. We're just looking over them the whole time. It's the letting go. It's the taking your eyes away from that, away from that desire for certainty, thinking that out of the infinite number of paths, that that's the one that's going to happen. And whether you're afraid of it or hoping that it happens, that desire for it to happen that takes you away from recognizing that all of those things are here now. And this is it right here, right now, in every single moment is where it all lies. There is no place that you get that is more free than where you're at right now. And on that note, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up this episode, considering we've spent the entire time really sinking into the experience of here and now. So I do encourage you, listener, if you haven't, spend some time with your eyes closed feel what you are just for the sake of the experience sink into it as deeply as you can and you might say well that's meditation and you would be right that's what meditation is supposed to be that's exactly what meditation should be it's not guided it's not necessarily something you have to follow along with or something i need to be here for it really is just feeling what you are without judgment with a little bit of curiosity and some enthusiasm amen this has been a fun ride through being where we're at and uh, sinking more deeply into where we're at and where we've never where we've never left. Uh, so I appreciate everyone coming along this sort of journey with us. If you kept your eyes closed the whole time, good on you. I'm sure. If, I don't know. Maybe it got as trippy as it did for me, but this is a lot of fun. Yeah, maybe we'll mix in another blindfolded episode here and there maybe it'll be a, a once a season thing for us to throw the blindfolds back on um but anyway uh thanks for thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys soon absolutely i just wanted to say if we do do this again blindfolded we may want to consider some psychedelics to join us for the journey not that we need them but it would certainly make things entertaining to say the least that's enough for this week though we will see you next time thanks so much everyone Bye, everyone.